Thanks, Miley, and thanks, Ron, for joining us today on Blue Notes. We're here to talk about ANZI, or what it's now going to be called 1835I, which is essentially, and correct me if I'm sort of not spot on here, but it's the investment and innovation arm of ANZ, which up to date has been part of the bank. But there's actually a lot of attractions to making it more independent. So I wonder, Miley, if you can run us through the thinking behind spinning out ANZI and, and renaming it. Are those imperatives, are they operational or regulatory or strategic or, or even a bit of all? Yeah, thanks. Well, actually, it probably is um, a bit of all of the above because if you take a step back and you say, okay, what is the mandate of this group? It's really we're asking them to uh, explore and actually start to create um, new businesses, new business models using emerging technology uh, and also using kind of emerging new high-growth young businesses uh, and that's typically a risk appetite, which is hard for a traditional, particularly highly regulated business like ANZ to know how to manage and what to do with. So we're trying to get them to do that. But we're also, this is a strategic you know, fund or a strategic investment. So we need them to do it in a way which is very aligned with um, our broader you know, strategy of, of the group. And that's a really tricky thing to get right because... At one hand, you need them fully immersed in kind of everything A and Z, but at the same time, you need to have them sufficiently independent that they're not getting tripped up by all the internal systems and processes and everything that kind of comes with being, uh, you know, having an ADI licence. So really the objective of spinning them out is they've done a terrific job now for three years, really getting some momentum. You know, we've made a number of really smart, savvy investments. We've got some new businesses that we're, you know, on the cusp of, of launching, and they deeply understand now the strategy of the company. They've got great networks within ANZ. So that strategic alignment is really tight, and now it's time to kind of let them live outside and, and really start running at pace, um, knowing and having confidence that they kind of they understand what's going on in the mothership and what they need to deliver back to us. So that's kind of how, you know, if you say, what mental picture do I have in my head about what we need, what we're trying to achieve here, it's that, we need, a, you know, ANZI or this new entity to still kind of be orbiting the, you know, the the the, the mothership of of, uh, of ANZ, but we need them far enough away from our gravitational pull that they can actually get some speed and and a bit more speed and momentum. But it's really exciting. It's a it's a real testament to what they've been able to achieve to date. And Ron, you've been running the business and will be running the new 1835I, and the name reflects that ANZ began banking or its antecedents began banking in 1835. So it, it sort of carries on that tradition of innovation. But to, to Miley's point, how much more can you do if you get to sort of pull away from the gravitational uh, pull of the mothership there? I think Miley captured it quite well. Uh, the intent is not to leave the bank. We call it moving next door. So we're going to get just outside that gravity pull so that we can run much faster with much less friction and much more efficiency. Um, and so we actually think we can do a lot more in a shorter period of time with better outcomes for the bank by not having to spend such a great deal of our time managing um, the bank and our relationship with the bank internally to enable us to get the things done that, that Miley and Shane want us to do. So we see a big speed component. We see a business efficiency and a cost advantage. We also can um, have a much better chance in a highly competitive environment to recruit and retain the best talent. 
because I think as you've seen in the market, I don't think anybody is struggling with the strategy now of what financial services institutions need to do to respond to the digital revolution and a lot of the disruption um, from technology platforms. Um, it's all about execution, and execution 100% comes down to the people. So I think this will make us a much more uh, much more able to be competitive in markets because we're bringing people into an environment where we're getting to work on world-class, world-leading stuff, and we're doing it on behalf of ANZ, which is a global 30 powerhouse. But at the same time, they're getting to use the best tools. They're getting to use the best processes um, in a culture that's very much about uh, kind of a startup innovation environment. And I think that will give us a competitive advantage. And Ron, you obviously you come from from this kind of background. You've got deep experience there. But we've seen financial institutions, traditional ones, have a variety of strategies in recent years around startups and fintechs, you know, ranging from almost venture capital funds to in in-house sort of offices. Has it emerged now that the way that you're heading with 1835 is I is perhaps the best way to go? Have you sort of learned from what's been going on in the world? Well, I have to be honest, we started with this thesis. Um, Miley and I talked about this four years ago, four and a half years ago, which was how do we learn from the, the historicals of where companies have got this right and where they've got it wrong. And to the bank's credit, when I arrived, I said, why don't we skip four or five of the critical mistakes that are usually made? Let's just skip those, take it as red, and let's design a function that can, that can actually solve problems and take advantage of opportunities in a way that benefits the bank and do it faster. So I would, I would argue that in the sort of three years we've been at this, we're at the level of maturity of these types of functions. It's more like the years seven or eight. Uh, we've just skipped over a lot of the mistakes. We have an integrated function where we can build where there's white space. We can partner with the best and brightest. We can use investment to bring those partnerships and influence tighter between the portfolio company and the bank. And we can make acquisitions. So we really have every tool in the toolkit. And the key that's different from anybody else that I've seen globally is it's an integrated function. They all kind of work around the specific strategic thesis that has been articulated by Shane and Exco. And our mission is to deliver on our part of that. And traditionally, you don't see that. Traditionally, these kind of functions kind of go off the reservation, which is easy to do. There's a lot of interesting, fun, creative things you can do in the world. Um, but if it's not aligned to the strategic outcomes that the bank requires and the bank needs, then it's doomed to failure. So I think when Miley talked about the alignment, I think that's critical is that everything we do is through the lens, whether it's Horizon 1, 2, or 3, it is all aligned around how does this benefit ANZ, our staff, our customers, and our partners, either by bringing new products and services or new capabilities. And I think that's critical, and that's where we, we just skipped over a lot of the mistakes other organizations have made. Uh, Miley, uh, given that perspective, will investors uh, see something immediately? Is there an immediate impact on the group? Obviously, customers, hopefully, and the staff will see things as new services and new products evolve. But from the investment perspective, is there a big change to the shape of the group to how this fits in? I don't, look, I think from an investor standpoint, um, it's not going to be a, a massive change because one of the things that Ron and I have tried really hard to do is to uh, keep the what, what I call the kind of the target on our back pretty small. So, we, you know, we're trying to be very pragmatic and, and kind of, you know, earn our, earn our, our way to, to growth versus, you know, having a, a massive, you know, a, a massive team 
uh, trying to justify itself. So there is, I mean, from an investor standpoint, initially what they're going to see is structurally, um, you know, we are, you know, you know, 1835I or what was previously ANZI will no longer formally be part of the, you know, the, the enterprise, the ANZBGL group. Um, you know, so they're still going to be part of the family, as we've talked about, but they're not formally going to be part of the structure. But as Ron said, what we're going to start seeing is really this better, faster, cheaper um, uh, kind of scaling of the of the innovation that we've already started and also scaling, you know, just finding some, you know, new ideas. I think the other thing that investors, uh, I, I think, are going to start appreciating a lot more is, as Ron said, the game isn't just uh, about talent anymore. That's obviously really, really critical. So you're not, that is, we need to make sure we're attracting and chaining the, the best talent uh, to be, you know, to work directly in the business. But the other really big game is being, is winning the war on partnerships. Because when you look at where innovation is happening globally, it is typically, the vast, vast majority of it is typically happening outside of the company rather than inside the company. So having a team that can be great partners is also going to start to accelerate the value that our shareholders are going to start seeing. And so one of the things that uh, this change is also going to mean is that from a partner standpoint, Ron's going to be able to move much faster, uh, which will be great. Um, and obviously, hopefully, we'll start seeing some accelerated benefits back for shareholders as well. Yeah, and as you say, it's, it's the points that Ron's made, and Shane Elliott has, has also been making this, this quite a lot in his recent presentations, in that we have to think about ecosystems is one of the words that's used where we have partners who do things that the bank can't do or doesn't necessarily want to do but it's what customers want and it helps the, the deeper experience so each of these decisions has to fit in directly with the bank's strategy doesn't it absolutely and uh and you know if you just you think about you know being a potential partner of ANZ having a uh, a business or a, a you know, an entity like uh, what Ron is going to be standing up outside the bank is just going to be a much easier um, and significantly less frictional way to actually interact with ANZ. So we're really excited about the potential partners that Ron's obviously going to be able to continue to bring back into the bank um, as we try and build out those, uh, those, those services to our customers. And Ron, from that, uh, for that point, putting on maybe the hat of a potential partner... We've seen a shift in recent years. You know, when fintechs first sort of hit the headlines, it was this idea that traditional banks were dinosaurs and fintechs were going to take over the world. But now we've seen a much greater willingness to work with established institutions. How, how do potential partners of major banks of ANZ think about what they want to do and who they want to become involved with? Well, it, it's a great question. Um, I, I think there was a bit of, uh, of an unsophisticated view of what got lumped together and was called NEOs. There were, there were startups that were trying to become banks, and then there were startups that were not interested at all in becoming banks. They were taking a financial services product or service offering that was highly inefficient, expensive, not particularly customer-friendly, and they were just saying, we can do a dramatically better job. And they called it, in years ago, CB Insights called it the, dis, the dismantling of the end-to-end -end bank because it wasn't going to happen by a NEO competing with ANZ head-to-head -head as a bank. It was going to be 100 NEOs taking 100 products and doing it better. 
and so a bit of the Lilly push and taking down Gulliver. Um, so I think now what's happened is is we've seen the neos that are trying to be banks struggle because it's a hard business, um, and we've seen that the ones that have point solutions that have done it better, cheaper, and faster are really scaling. And I think they're very interested in partnering because what banks bring is they bring all the underlying infrastructure and they bring another distribution point. So we're seeing um, in our investment portfolio, every single one of our portfolio companies wants to partner with ANZ. They either want to co-develop product and service offerings. They want to integrate um, technology capability that we can provide to our customers and our partners, or they want to have a, a via channel to help them distribute their products and services either directly under their brand or white label through our brand to our customers. So those are the opportunities that my team are focused on. We look at the investment lens strictly as a means of sourcing those companies, having influence with them, but really the underlying value proposition is those partnerships. And this is what the bank has to get extremely good at doing. And if it can do it, then externalized innovation where things come from outside into the bank and to our customers and partners will be so much quicker and so much more efficient than trying to build everything ourselves. And why would the, these startup organizations, you know, and some of them are very established, not startups, but why would they want to partner with ANZ as opposed to, say, HSBC or Standard Chartered or, or Bank of America or one of the other Australian banks? Well, some of them do. Some have a – they want to integrate with everybody. Some have a particular interest in our customer set, our values. We have a very specific presence in the market about how hands-on we are working with them. Uh, I think some of them resonate to the culture that Shane has been building over the last you know, few years in ANZ. Our market position now is being perceived as not as the establishment, sort of the CBA, but we're really perceived as a bank that's undergoing transformation, both culturally, technologically, and in simplifying the business. So I think it's a range of reasons. Um, and to be quite honest, sometimes it's it's the people. Um, we, we work pretty hard with these young companies to add a lot of value outside the context of a relationship with ANZ. And I think there's a general appreciation that we approach our position in the market representing ANZ not as what's in it just for ANZ, but how can we go in there and help these young companies grow and prosper independent of the bank? And then how can we foster relationships with ANZ that result in a win-win? And I think that's very different than their experiences of de dealing with some of our, our peer banks. And Miley, you've, um, over the last couple of years that you've been at ANZ, you, you've often, I've been at presentations and you often get asked, what does the bank of the future look like? And I, I know in the past what you've said is, well, no one knows what the bank of the future will look like, but you need to be a bank that can adapt and be flexible. Is it becoming a, a bit more clear that the bank of the future is going to be a bank with ecosystems and collections of partners? Is that one of the things you think is settled? I've always loved um, uh, kind of an observation that, that kind of Gates made um, a while ago where he said, you know, look, people are always going to want banking services. They're not necessarily always going to want a bank, right? And... I think there is absolutely going to be a role for um, for a, a, something called a bank in the in the future. Um, but to what you're getting at, I think that that the uh, amount of value or like utility that that entity is going to have to provide to customers in order to be successful is going to be significantly higher than where it's been historically and where it is today. And that kind of gets to well, if you're really going to have to offer a ton more value to customers to really make 
it worth their while to engage and kind of spend their time engaging in a bank, that you are likely going to have to have a lot of partners to enable you to do that. I also think, though, that, you know, going back to um, the point that Ron was making earlier, we are starting to see the kind of atomization or, you know, the overuse of the banking as a service um, where you're going to start seeing banking services pop up into all sorts of other places um, because customers just want to have a frictionless access to a banking service. So, you know, you see that absolutely um, with Amazon getting into financial services all around, the, you know, basically all around the place. And, and so when you look at what we're doing at ANZ, uh, and, you know, some of it will merge over time, similar to what you're seeing now with, you know, ANZI, we are absolutely rebuilding ourselves to be able to play in, in a really effective way into that, you know, much stronger value proposition as a traditional bank, but also you're seeing us do things like the new payments platform where we are able to, you know, craft solutions that are, where we can service other banks or other organisations. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of moving forward, assuming that banking will start to have a number of different business models and we are kind of shaping up to be able to play in that variety of business models versus just one. And this is obviously an area where there's a huge amount of competition and um, by, by its nature, it, it, it's necessary to be sort of a bit secret about what's going on. But Ron, is there a couple of things that you're doing that you, you can talk about? And, and I'll note that um, you've been involved in a series that's published on Blue Notes where we talk about some of the particular uh, investments and partnerships ANZI has already made. But there, are there things that you can talk about that you're excited about that are on the horizon? Yeah, I think that it's pretty obvious that we're a big supporter of our friends at Wendy that just merged with Aussie Home Loans. And we think the digitization of the broker process, we're only in the first innings of that, and, and it's going to grow over time. We think the uh, proposition that we've launched called One Two, which is actually – uh, written its first couple loans as we speak and is about to go into a pilot period leading to a full release later this year, will be a world-first digital platform supporting the mortgage process. And it's actually IP that the bank itself is looking at now in helping with our own processes. Um, obviously, we're continuing to partner with our friends at Air Wallex. Uh, Richard Pride out of Hong Kong, they've just issued a virtual and actual card to ANZ customers in that part of the world using the Air Wallex backend. Um, for processing FX and multi-currency wallets. So we're doing a lot of interesting things across both institutional homeownership and the small business area. Um, and more and more what we're doing is going deeper on the data side where we're looking at uh, consent-based data platforms and our ability to not just support open data as a regulatory requirement, but actually how can we start really actualizing the value of the massive amount of data that, that ANZ has, that our partners have, and that our customers are more than willing to allow us to use, provided it drives a, a tangible benefit back to them. So we have a lot of work going on in that area as well. Yeah, like it both, uh, I've covered banking as a journalist for 35 years or something. It is an incredibly exciting time. Um, Miley, as you say, Ron's business is, is moving from being part of the household to into the house next door. As the landlord... What do you think 1835i is going to look like over the next three to five years? What are you hoping to see? Well, um, what I'm absolutely uh, expecting to see rather than hoping uh, is that, you know, we are going to start to, to um, stand up some 
genuine businesses that start to get scale and impact in, in the market. And Ron's just kind of alluded to some of them that we're that we're standing up and uh, and that we can, from a shareholder standpoint, we can actually start showing a really demonstrable impact on our core business um, in terms of the ability of those of those those new businesses to either create competitive advantage for for our, our kind of core business through either data or engagement. Um, so that would be one. And the second thing is that you're going to start seeing us kind of march forward at pace with uh, what I described earlier as kind of that that real step step up in value to our to our customers, particularly in the Australia retail and commercial space. And again, I think that we'll be able to start getting much more transparent with our shareholders on the role that some of these um, investments that we're making in in some of the companies, the role that they're playing helping to actually create a differentiated service for our for our existing customer base. So it's, we're kind of on the cusp of something really exciting. And as I said at the beginning, I think the ability to kind of unshackle Ron and his team to actually start moving uh, at pace and kind of go from a trot to a to a full-strength full sprint is going to be exciting because I know that what they've del- delivered to date is, is outstanding and I can't wait to see what we're able to do in a couple of years. It's really about getting scale now. I'd like to I'd just like to add to that. The the purpose here is to industrialize the function so it can scale and outlive me and my team. The idea is it becomes a permanent embedded driver of innovation and value to the bank and our shareholders into the future. And the objective is, as Miley said, we, we want to have a half a dozen businesses that we've launched in market that are that are have, have multiple billion dollars worth of, of enterprise value and are generating revenue and dividends to the bank and the shareholders. We want to have 40 or 50 portfolio companies across the investment side that are in aggregate delivering new products, new services, and new capabilities that benefit the bank and the customers. We have to get it to scale um, and use kind of the model that we've seen work successfully in the world for this to be to be something that continues to spin. It isn't we hit a one-off over here or a one-off over there. By doing a lot you don't have to win with every one of our propositions. We just have to have enough of them be successful that it will drive significant value to the bank. And to do that, you do need to play the numbers game a bit. And and part of that is building the function out so it can scale and then the capabilities. And then five years from now, I want to read about us in the AFR as I'm retiring, saying that we got to there. We got to that critical mass and scale that the banks, the value to the bank is is absolutely direct and that the function has now paying for itself and it's perpetual. It can continue to create value going forward. When you talk to people in the US um, and in the UK in particular, there is a huge renaissance going on in terms of innovation and entrepreneurialism. And I think, you know, often when an economy goes through and a community and a society goes through extreme stress, at the back end of that can actually create, there can be some rebirth and magic. And when I talk to my kind of network in the US and the UK, they're absolutely seeing it with a whole bunch of people, kind of COVID's really kicked off um, just a huge, just tr- like wave of innovation. And I think the other thing that if you said to me, what else would, I mean, if there was a, a real dream for, you know, what Ron and team do in five years time is absolutely creating benefit and more than paying for itself and creating huge shareholder value for ANZ. But as a broader Australian economy, we need some catalysts to get just innovation in general because I'm not seeing, at least my spider senses aren't, aren't 
picking up on the type of just explosion in innovation in Australia, as I'm hearing is starting to happen in the US and the UK. So I really hope that, you know, this uh, new birth entity can also be a catalyst for for the broader, you know, uh, innovation ecosystem in, in Australia versus just for ANZ. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's very true, isn't it, that we need to be, we do need to be a smart society to continue to, to prosper as a, a nation here. But look, that was a fascinating conversation. So thanks both of you very much for your time. Thanks both. Thank you. <laughs> Quite welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes. This podcast was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. Blue Notes is a publication of ANZ Banking Group.